Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, what do you know? In the latest results out today for the 2022 Audio Logo Index, Bunnings remains the top-rated audio brand by 4,000 consumers. But racing up the ladder is Menulog, ranked fifth last year but now in second slot. We're hearing much more about the role of audio in building brand and consideration, so we're going for a deep dive today to unpack how leading brands are turning their focus to sonic branding. And I must say, I sound a bit cool when I say sonic branding. That's as good as you'll get. So on the mics today is Menulog's head of brand, Fiona Bateman, Neuro Insights CEO, Peter Pinter, and SCA's national head of creativity for the studio, Matt Dixon. Also joining us for a special appearance, sonically at least, are the creators of the Bunnings Jingle and Audio logo from what, I think maybe 25 years ago. Matt, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Malcolm McLean and Trevor Hilton. We'll hear a little bit more from them later. But in the meantime, uh, Matt Dixon, to you first. Um, The latest results are out from SCA's uh, Audio Logo Index. Give us the top line numbers, Matt, and, and who's achieved what and how does this audio index work? And welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Barrage of questions there. I know, I'm good at that. (laughs) I'll start with how it works. So annually we test Australia's best performing audio brands with Veritonic, a company that we're partnered with who are the leaders in audio testing and benchmarking uh, globally. So this year with a a representative sample across different demos of nearly 4,000 people, we asked them how likeable, trustworthy, authentic and more the most 42 played audio logos in Australia were. We also tested correct brand attribution and recall, so a few different aspects of of audio branding. And then the data we collected and analysed is consistent with Veritonic's studies in the US and UK, so they're they're all transferable. Um, You know, we're able to kind of transplant We'll look at what happened, trends that happened in the UK versus Australia and the US as well. Uh, Matt, how long has it been going here? Sorry, Matt, how long has the audio, when did you launch this? This is our third year in Australia. It's been going longer in the US and UK. Got it. So if we look at this year's index released today, Bunnings is still number one. So Bunnings is that hit that just might as well be the, the national anthem. So Bunnings number one, Menulog are really close second and Menulog is super interesting. So I'm so glad that we have Fiona to chat to about this. We tested earlier in the year with Snoop and then they changed to Katy Perry. So we tested again with Katy Perry and we saw a lift between those those two. So just a right. neat just audio branding best practice, I, I guess, uh, and a way of invigorating something that was great with Snoop, but just lifting it to a whole new level. The next on our index, Chemist Warehouse in third, up from number nine last year. Gee. Interesting story there. And that's, you know, that's, that's quite a blockbuster move. And I think it's probably due to media spend. I feel like Chemist Warehouse are, are pretty much everywhere. So that could be a function of repetition because uh, repetition breeds likability and familiarity. Interestingly, O'Brien in fourth, and I would have said O'Brien Glass, but they've branched out into electrical and plumbing now too. So that popularity could be a lift in media spend because they're recruiting and also advertising across different categories. And interesting too, it's a 
O'Brien is low involvement, right? It's glass, plumbing, or electrical, none of which you buy for fun, all of which you buy because something is broken. Or, or enjoyment, fixed. exactly. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. it's the same thing, isn't it? Fun and enjoyment. Sorry, Matt. No, 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 all good. Um, and then uh, top five, so number five is Bob Jane T-Marts, another low involvement product. You don't buy it until you need it. Um, so we're seeing a trend of uh, low involvement brands, uh, and these are long-term brands as well, but but becoming really quite popular. And it's a, it's a neat trick of audio, right? These audio logos sit in your head until you need them. Uh, you only buy tyres once every sort of five, six years. Um, but when you do, Bob Jane T-Marts is right there. And out of all this, Matt, what is it saying? I think you sort of have this this line that it's, you know, you, you talk about low involvement, but audio logos kind of get, people get used to them or do they like them or is it just that they remember them? What's the difference here? Do they actually like, the more they hear, do they like or is it just get embedded? Yeah, no, it's, it's all of the above. We'll talk to Trevor and Malcolm who composed the Bunnings jingle later on, which has been around, I think, 25, 30 years. Probably the longest, one of the longest standing, VB is the other longest standing um sonic brand asset in australia but it was composed on a, on a whim you know it was done in an afternoon and i think in that case it has to be the longevity and frequency with which it's played leads to you know it's familiarity bias so because something is is more familiar we tend to to prefer it recall is interesting as well um and audio has a, a special trick here you can teach a two-year-old 26 unique characters in order by singing them the alphabet song. So there's a memorability there with audio logos that visual logos don't necessarily have. It's harder to to learn and remember accurately a visual logo than it is an audio logo, obviously depending on the asset. To answer your question about why audio branding is becoming more popular, I think it's because people like Peter Pinter, who we have on the podcast, talking more about audio's ability to um, work its way into long-term memory and brands are realizing the psychology of audio is, is being talked about more like we are on this podcast. Mm. It's interesting. Well, let's get to what are the rising star of the moment um, at Menulog. Fiona, Fiona Bateman, um, how does this all stack up with what you're doing at Menulog? Um, you've certainly climbed the, the status and on the logo uh, ratings index at least. Um, has there been more focus from Menulog on the audio stuff um, or is it, I think you sort of mentioned earlier that it was probably around about 2019 you, you started to get serious about this. Just talk us through Menulog's, you know, audio approach, audio branding, sonic branding stuff. And welcome, Fiona. Yeah, thank you. We're very uh, chuffed to be uh, be so high for uh, such, I guess, new entrant. Um, but it, it has been a deliberate strategy for Menulog, this sort of audio branding journey uh, since 2019. And I'd say this year it's been no more or less of a focus. But um, yeah, as Matt said, it, it's a frequency and repetition game. And we're very aware that the more places and times it can be heard, the more effective uh, tool it will be for the brand. So I, I guess we've had another year under our belt to build on that recognition and, uh, and we've seen it pay off. Talk us through what the thinking was in 19. That's when you launched your new campaign with the Snoop Dogg. Um, but there was a bit more to it than that. Yeah, there was there was an iteration of the jingle before Snoop. It was a, a, a more of a t- kind of traditional jingle, no celebrity uh, involved in it. And um, it was uh, the feedback on that uh, advertising campaign was that it, it was quite irritating and, and not very cool, a little bit cheesy. And and we actually uh, used Snoop Dogg to give it a, a little bit of that status. We borrowed from his sort of very cool personality uh, to give the jingle a revamp, essentially. Um, and and we had a lot of success from it, a lot of kind of like playground recall and, and sort of really wiggled its way into culture. And 
because of the sort of success, I guess, of that strategy, we're, we're continuing again this year with Katy Perry and and I'm sure uh, there'll be somebody else uh, very soon. Oh, there's a, are you teasing here? There's something coming that we should know, Fiona? Uh, no, maybe, not maybe yet. You're not going to say anything, are you? Yeah. <laughs> There'll definitely be another iteration, but uh, it's unknown who it will be at the moment. This year? Not this year. Okay. Well, uh, that's as good as I'll get. It's 2023. Watch out, Matt. You've got another tracking study to, to put on. When Fiona talks about it being irritating before they got to Snoop Dogg, does that matter, Matt and Peter? I would say not. I think jingles have a way of working their way into the the psyche um, unless you create something that's really, really annoying on purpose. I think they're going to be preferred over time anyway because of the familiarity bias and, and repetition. Um, I talk about audio Stockholm syndrome, where, you know, where people fall in love with their kidnapper. And I think if you, if you can kind of kidnap people's minds with your uh, audio logo, they they tend to then come to love it. And you work your way into pop culture and you can be part of pop culture. I don't know if you guys have seen on YouTube, someone has um, uploaded 10 hours of the Bunnings jingle and it has <laughs> something like 1,600 plays. So, you know, you reach a point where if you can work your way into pop culture, even if it's slightly annoying, the people take over, they embrace it, and then they will run with it further than you can. And so, but when Fiona talks about having a lift uh, after bringing in, in, in Snoop Dogg, that's got something to do with what's going on in your in, in your index, though, Matt, doesn't it? Uh, it depends. And funnily enough, we could test for it, and I'd really like to. So we could use Veritonic to test the original jingle, the Snoop version, and the Katy Perry version. I think part of, the, part of Menulog's increasing popularity is just a function of repetition and people liking something. I mean, you, you create a, a song becomes a hit because you start hearing it a, a lot and, and then it becomes this kind of um, self-perpetuating thing. But it would be interesting, and we could test for it using Veritonic, to see the difference in appeal between the original vanilla jingle, Snoop, and then Katy Perry. I mean, it was such a brave move with Snoop as well. He's a polarising character. I mean, I, I, I see the connection between late-night food delivery and the substance that Snoop is a, is a big supporter of. But, yeah, he's still he's a polarising character. He's not safe for all families. So I think that was mm. a, a, a neat risk. Uh, what happened with K- Katy Perry, Matt? What's it about Katy that boosted Menulog um, further from, from the Snoop Dogg uh, execution? I think it's partly her delivery. Like, Snoop is a, a, a chill kind of guy. I think it's partly that she's it's a as a pop song it's perfect right it's sugary it's got this bounce to it there's more lyrics to learn interesting in talking about melody and memory my daughter is nine and she knows every word to the Katy Perry and the 60 second version too not the 30 I had to look some of them up on Google because I wanted to know what they were and she sings quite quickly but this is melody and memory this is you know a nine-year-old who is you know at school learning a whole bunch of stuff has has still been able to memorize the lyrics to Katy Perry's menu log jingle not discounting the visual I know this is a, a podcast about audio but I think the visual is just glorious to look at you know she's dressed as a cake there's all this stuff happening in the background there's a slow-mo shot where she's paused it's a treat it's you know, it's it's what home delivered food is you know it's it's fun mm. it's uh, not irresponsible, irresponsible but it's fun and it's sugary it's fascinating. Peter, the irritating uh, factor that Fiona talked about earlier, does it matter? Is it okay? Yeah, look, uh, well, I should I should start by saying I, I fear we're just going to run out of time on this podcast because this is such a fascinating 
fascinating, deep, rich topic to talk about. So maybe this is version one of, uh, of, of you know, nine or ten other versions because seriously there's so much packed into what Matt and Fiona and you we're all talking about. But um, so if we, and there's a number of ways in, and, and your question is one way in, and that is, do you have to like what you're hearing for it to be effective? And that's absolutely no way at all. Like, um, I think one of the ones that I think, um, you know, appealed to me from an effectiveness point of view was, um, you know, the down, down status quo song that was brought out a few years to sell, of all things, a supermarket, um, you know, and, you know, hugely successful, you know, very, very powerful in the way it sort of differentiated them from Woolworths and Fresh. Uh, you know, up, down, down in prices and value. And, you know, that brought an, an enormous amount of meaning uh, in terms of attributes around value and effectiveness and that type of thing. So, but yeah, look, a, a whole fascinating topic. But was it irritating? You bet to me. Well, yeah, exactly. Was it effective? Yes. Yes. Was it annoying? Yes and yes. More so than Fiona's actually. Exactly. And and like, in, in fact, you know, if you ask, if you ask the average person in the street, which I know Matt was talking about, like and um, half the people you speak to about the Katy Perry versions say they don't like it, they don't like her, and half of them say, I love it. And So where's the truth anyhow? From our point of view, who really cares what you like? It's what gets in. Uh, and if it gets in, then it drives behaviour, which is what Fiona as a marketer is about and what, what we're all about really is effectiveness and behaviour change. Well, let's step back a little bit, Peter Pinter. Um, you are a big fan of audio in creating what you call memory structures. How does this all work? So we've we've already discovered that you don't have to like for it to land. True. But how does audio and sometimes annoying audio create memory structures for brands? Yeah, exactly. Well, look, that's a big question, Paul. I'll do my best to kind of tackle it. But it, it is, and that's why this whole topic is just so fascinating. Before I do answer the question, Fiona, congratulations on what you've done in a very, very short space of time because we're talking about, what, 2019. Now, if you listened, if you heard Matt and sort of rattle off, you know, it's got, a, you know, Bunnings, O'Brien, Chemist Warehouse, these are brands that have been around for a long, long time, you know, uh, something like Bunnings. And the point to be made here, um, despite menu logs short-term success is that these things have worn in over a long long period of time and the congratulations goes to brands that lock in on a form of communication and don't change or or only introduce very very slight changes if you think of some of the other iconic um, sound signatures if you like like the intel chime you know it, even the Macca's five notes at the end of every ad, very, very powerful stuff that, um, you know, um, it's almost like a less is more in a way, but these guys don't change what they do. They lock it, they load it, and they just wear it in. And, I, and I, you know, in these times of, you know, everyone's kind of, I guess, zigging and zagging for the latest competitive advantage and how they, how they integrate above the line and below the line and digital and traditional, and yet you've got these long-term slow burn brands that have never left their deep vein of gold. And that's what we're talking about here is a very, very deep vein of gold, a soundtrack, a logo, a, you know, a jingle. There are some rules around audio branding that I think um, the most successful brands have followed. Uh, some people, for some, it's a happy accident because we didn't know 30 years ago what we know now. But if you, you can change the arrangement of an audio logo, so Snoop to Katy Perry to who, who do I reckon's next? Tom Jones? Yeah. 
Tom Jones. You can change the arrangement, you, but you never change the melody and you don't change the pitch and you don't change the tempo. So Maccas is a really good example. They have an AFL um, footy whistle version. They have a acapella version with a um, voiceover and they have the, the kind of plucked guitar string version. They could do a million of those and Toyota used to do a great job of this. But, yeah, as long as you don't change those things, you can update an audio logo as many times as you like. You can have 10 versions running around. You just have to have pitch, tempo, melody the same, and the world is yours. Oh, I'm going for James Bond for the next menu log um, Sonic thing. I reckon, I don't know what he's going to do, but I just like the idea of saying that. Um, listen, just while you're on it, Matt, you did say Toyota, for instance, their longevity. Toyota, had, oh, what a feeling, and that, that Sonic, they don't use that now, but it's still got something left. It's still got some residual effect. Yeah, I, I think there's a halo effect, like any brand asset, right? If you use it for a long time, it takes a while to build, uh, unless you're menu log, in which case you, you rocket to number two on an audio logo index in three years. But mm. it, t- it can take a long time to build and it takes a long time to go away. We are seeing Toyota drop year on year now purely because they don't use it. So for years they had da-da-da-da-da and everyone knew it. Mm. At the end, they seem to spend mostly on television or that's where I notice Toyota at the moment. They say, oh, what a feeling at the end of each ad, but it's not melodic. So it's not technically what we'd, we would call an audio logo. We still test Toyota each year because it was around for so long and it, you know, it was used for over 30 years and used with all the best practice principles. But we are seeing it drop off because there are brands like Menu Log, like O'Brien, um, like Chemist Warehouse who are using their audio logo across all platforms. They're just higher up in the mind. It's not that Toyota are doing a bad job. It's just they're less memorable because it's it hasn't been there for, for longer. I think it's now maybe five years that they haven't used their audio logo for. Right. Peter, I want to get back just quickly to kind of understand with, with your technology and your work how how things work visually in terms of memory encoding. Essentially, you know, visual stimuli will fire up a certain part of the brain and if it's fired up the right way, the long-term memory encoding works. Is it the same for audio? How does, how does it work with audio? It's, not, it's obviously not visual. Yeah, exactly, exactly, mate. Well, look, I, you know, in, in simple terms, I think what we're saying is that you, uh, you know, from a stimulus point of view, you see it and you hear it. So you're activating two very, very powerful uh, inputs. Now, these can work. I think one of the experiments we did years ago, was, and the be- really clear way to prove this was basically have an Intel chime um, with the, the the sort of visual logo that appears on on an ad, and then the chime, and then the chime without, or the sorry, the visual logo without the chime, and with the chime. So if you see it and you hear it, um, it's easily twice as effective, almost three times more effective versus if you just saw the Intel logo by itself. So it's a great, really clear kind of pure way, if you like, scientific way to prove out what the value of a, of an audible um, input is versus a visual. So of course you, you use both. Yeah, so it kind of gets down to that that point of granularity, but there's it really is powerful to to see it and to hear it at the same time. And you know, if you've got sort of visual cues, and um, and again, if you then overlay the long term wearing factor of this stuff, um, as Matt and uh, Fiona were talking about, then you've really got something quite powerful. You know, the 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 interesting thing getting back to menu log is is that you know this can get very very granular. And we're talking what th- th- this this discussion uh, might just kind of break break it for, for a moment. We're talking very, very broad brush, big picture, Toyota, you know, the use of Snoop Dogg and Katy Perry, but it does get down to the granularity of, uh, you know, in menu log, did somebody say menu log? Now, there are two really important items there. It's the ramp in to that 
almost that tagline, did somebody say, and then menu log. Now, the most important part of any communication is getting branding through as strongly as possible. So that's why Intel and the Chime used consecutively. You've got branding, you know, going in automatically. So if you think about the setup, and in fact, if the the Snoop Dogg executions were like a bit of a like a Golden Gate Bridge. They were very, very strong at the start and very, very strong at the end. Um, and of course, that's where you have, did somebody say, menu log. So that they're the most important parts executionally if you want to get down to the granularity of it all. And of course, that's where the soundtrack really hits its strap. So yes, big picture is important, but then getting down to the nuances and the microseconds. And of course, you know, in, the, in this day and age of sort of fleeting attention spans, the, the granular second-by-second second stuff is really what you where, where the vein of gold is as well. So, yeah, something that we may not appreciate. Interesting that Peter talks about using the brand name, and in particular with, with menu like having the brand name as the payoff, like you've got this kind of setup and then payoff. It's just a, a real one-two punch. We noticed from our study that um, brands that mention their brand name in the audio logo have 25% better recall. So part of the study was... Uh, the next day we went back to them and said, do you remember hearing these? And if you if your audio logo contains the brand name, Woolworths, the Fresh Food People, Bunnings Warehouse, etc., 25% more likely to be accurately and correctly recalled than if you don't. So, you know, McDonald's don't have their name in it. They've still got huge spending power, so it works. So as well as that kind of um, set up and pay off in the, in the brain and that resolve of knowing who it's for, there's also um, great effect on, on recall as well. And the attention stuff, um, how does this work into long-term memory encoding? It's the same thing. Can you contextualise attention for us in this conversation, if it can be? Yeah, sure, sure. Just a quick one. Like, obviously, the word attention is being thrown around a lot lately. Um, You know, um, it depends on whose version or whose sort of definition that you might want to rely on or subscribe to. Uh, Attention in some camps is basically a visually derived metric. So in that case, it's very, very difficult to use a visually derived metric to get an audible, to get a measure on audible stimulus. Um, although I know there's there's a lot of talk around that, but um, yeah, the really um, there is an important distinction between attention uh, and and long term memory encoding, and that's why we kind of bang on about long term memory because all that matters is getting into long term memory. You know, forming those memory structures. And that's exactly what like a, a slow burn, long term approach to using sound soundtracks or and or jingles does. It's um it's ultimately got to get into long term memory. And that's what this stuff does, whether it automatically does by hearing it or you have the dual sort of double barreled uh, effect of seeing it and hearing it. Um, but that's what we're talking about, long term memory. And it, it is an important distinction. And it is it is actually sl- slightly different or quite dramatically different to that word attention that's being bandied about at the moment. Mm. The thing about music and melody as well is, and there are so many examples of this, but if I use one example, uh, Tony Bennett. So Tony Bennett was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2016, which means he was symptomatic enough at that point to go and be tested. He performed until 2019, 2020, I think it was, without an auto cue, without any help uh, he performed 160 mm. shows with Alzheimer's disease and remembered every word because melody and memory have this unique relationship with the brain. So if you're a brand and you want top of mind mental availability because you might be low involvement like O'Brien or um, Bob Jane T-Marts, musical melody is, is where it's at. 
you know, and, and I look at menu log and it's such a, a great story where there is complete white space around you guys, Fiona, because Uber Eats don't have a, an audio logo. DoorDash have a slogan, but it's not melodic. Uh, and so you guys are in this field that no one else is burning this thing into people's minds. Fiona's asking, who are those brands you talk about, Matt? She's never heard of them. <laughs> Yeah, and these are brands like Uber Eats drop a lot of money, particularly around kind of uh, December, January, tr- traditionally. But does that last all year? I don't. I don't know. I think this this interlocking of melody and memory. It's so satisfying when you see brands do it well. Bunnings did it with a happy accident and created a hit thirty years ago, and we'll talk to them soon. Uh, Menulog have used mm. melody and memory, and uh, you know decent amount of frequency as well to to rocket to number two on the the audio logo index in a couple of years. Matt, I might just jump in there. Like that's something that we haven't even tackled yet. This is why this is such a rich, rich topic to discuss. Um, what you see happening, it's it's a bit like a jungle up there. And as as something weakens, something strengthens, or you know, and the vice versa, um, in terms of the strength of the memory structures and that type of thing. So what we are uh, talking about here is effectively if you strengthen your your network of associations by using um, a see it and and hear it. Um, mechanism, you can also at the same time simultaneously be weakening the competition's um, strength of those associations as well. So, you know, in, in highly competitive categories, it, it you know, this is just so important because you're, you're basically buying yourself competitive advantage. And we often see, you know, when we talk about advertising, what, what the net, what, what the effect of when you advertise is on your brand, but we kind of, um, forget to, to also think about the fact that we're weakening the competition at the same time. So in the same moment, you're strengthening menu log and you're weakening your closest competitor, for example, Fiona. So yeah, it's it's never a, it's it's always a dynamic, it's always in flux and then it's always changing, which is important because that's where long term comes in and the sustainability of a of a jingle should be never let go because that's where you you know, you let the competition get back up on you, which is what you never want. So, well, do you have to say the Tony Bennett um, anecdote, Matt, is fascinating? Really, I hadn't heard of it, uh, but it makes complete sense, right? Which, melody and memory. Melody and memory. Yeah, it's yeah. not a story unique to him. There's a documentary called Alive Inside, where they use uh, music therapy for Alzheimer's patients and unlock memories. I won't go into it on on this, but I, I've a story with my mum. My mum had brain cancer and died, but four days before she died, I sang Dean Martin's That's Amore to her. I sang the first line and she sang the second line back. And this is at a point where wow. she was slipping away and, and you know, she couldn't remember me. But in that moment we had this, and that was our last connection. So it's not unique to Tony mm. Bennett or to me or to anyone. This is music is stored in at least four different musical memory, at least four different parts of the brain that we know of. And it's virtually indestructible. It's the last thing to leave when you pass away. So Fiona, as head of branding at Menulog and hearing um, this conversation, is audio, how do you manage that? What, in terms of what you do next um, and whoever you use, but in terms of the, when you're going about, okay, how do we build uh, the brand for Menulog? What are you doing? Does this, is, is this all new to you or is it you've kind of known it and you're doing it or is there new stuff here and what is it, how does it affect your, your thinking? Yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely it's definitely conscious and 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 uh, a, a deliberate strategy for us. Like our category, particularly, um, there isn't much differentiation in it, and it is highly competitive. So, 
when somebody's hungry and they go to order food, it's it's quite a, a subconscious decision, like who they go for in in this kind of highly competitive category. So like it it is a deliberate ploy for us to try and occupy that space in their head, that mental availability, um, with a distinctive asset. And if they can't stop singing our jingle to themselves, we are quite literally stuck in their head. And then that is that is kind of like driving that. Uh, decision to choose to order with menu log that is influencing that decision so we're well aware of how that works and and that is kind of like Mm. what we've been kind of consistently um doing for the last couple of years well i guess the the direct proof point of that is okay which app do they choose when they go to their phone to order the food so it's it's an app battle for you primarily using you know um, sonic and, and other branding mechanisms to win that's what you're it's about isn't it yeah absolutely and uh the more we can kind of like, I guess, be top of mind, um, and the more likely we'll win out in that scenario. So that, that's an important metric for us in, in the brand team. And we, we keep a close eye on, on growing that. So how is business, Fiona? So you're rocking the audio logo charts. Um, are you, how are you going in terms of, um, you know, custom and share and sales, um, which I'm sure you're going to tell us all the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, we like we're kind of clear challenger in in our category, and it is a bit of a, a David and Goliath story for for Menulog, like obviously us us being David, but COVID has done wonders for online food delivery, and and you know moved on the industry ten plus years. So uh, you know everybody has now ordered it, everybody has kind of like started to form that habit, and it is a very kind of habitual behavior. So business is is good. We are, we are kind of uh, always fighting the good fight. And uh, like you guys kind of touched on earlier, like we have to make sure every asset works as hard as it possibly can. And, and audio is a, a massive part of that for us. We don't have the same um, amount of dollars or funding as some of the bigger competitors. So um, we're, we're, we're constantly trying to uh, get that cut through, get that stand out. And, and, you know, our jingle has been a real key tool for us in that journey. I was just going to ask Fiona, if has the mini log the jingle and audio logo has that opened up other platforms and does that give you better cut through on things like um tiktok i know there are brands mg uh, are big on tiktok but the problem everyone has on tiktok is people reject visual logos because it's just not the place for it but tiktok is a place to play with music so audio logos offers you know and jingles offers huge opportunity do you guys capitalize on that yeah, absolutely. We, um, we, I think we're one of the first Australian brands to kind of invest in in TikTok as an advertising platform. But this year, um, it's actually been completely organic. So the the Katy Perry sort of sort of sound is trending, and there's there's various remixes of it on the platform that is completely user generated. And I think that's been, um, it's, it's I guess it's a brand marketer's dream really that uh, it's sort of. And entered culture in such a way um, with with such a hard to reach audience, those sort of Gen Z kids. Um, so it, it definitely has allowed us to kind of occupy um, that sort of space and, and that behavior. Yeah, I just wanted to ask Fiona, in your stable of brand assets, how important is the audio logo uh, in, in keeping menu log top of mind? Yeah, the audio logo is probably the definitely the most powerful. And, and that is that kind of... Um, it's that magic because it does live in somebody's head sort of rent free. And, and, um, when they're coming to kind of make the purchase decision or the ordering decision, um, if, if our audio logo is stuck in your head, they're much more likely to purchase. So it is one of our more powerful distinctive assets. Like we, 
we also have the kind of the menu log house and the orange and, and more, more visual assets, which we always use and, you know, combine with the audio logo and, unless the format doesn't allow it. So for us, it's it's being really kind of consistent um, with those distinctive assets, which which are all actually fairly new. We had a sort of brand relaunch three years ago. Um, so there's not much equity or longevity in these assets. So we're very, very laser focused about consistently using them. But we do find the audio logo probably one of our most powerful tools and and certainly like the recognition from um being number two in this index uh, proves that just on that fiona the the your previous gigs not at menulog it was audio with some of the other companies you've worked for had the had the prominence or the the, the attention that it's getting uh at menulog interestingly i came from just eat menulog's uh, sort of parent company in the uk ah, and yes. um, before uh the sort of uh, we got into like the sonic branding music was a big part of the advertising strategy and it wasn't so much uh, sort of audio logos but um, ensuring we did a lot of parody kind of adverts that like really cut through in uh, quite a kind of like a, a, a annoying way but again um, as, as you guys have touched on repetition does win out so uh, it's it's always been a bit of a success for me in my career in in advertising particularly but uh, I think uh the, the did somebody say menu log jingle probably being the pinnacle matt and peter if we talk we look at menu log and its meteoric rise up the up the index in a short period of time menu log is an exception can anyone do it if they get it right or is it a bit like what we're about to go to and talk about in terms of vb or bunnings where it's built over a long period i know we talked a little bit at, at the top of the sh- at the top of the conversation but menu log an exception or can anyone get those sort of results what's your sense yeah, I think it's possible for anyone. I think if you, if you follow the best practice principles, which it's funny, I think everyone in the industry just lifts menu log up because you guys have done, red tape prevents brands from doing so many things or bureaucracy. And you guys have just done, for me, from an audio point of view, what it, it, it's perfect. And I can't actually even think of another example where brands have created a, a jingle or audio logo and then use celebrity to amplify it further. I, um, talking about TikTok, if it wasn't Katy Perry, I don't think it would be being remixed on on TikTok. I think she she helps you access this pop audience, and she brought the fun to it that then makes people feel like they can. So yeah, the long and the short of it, I think any brand can do this. There's a um, a really nice marriage though that Menulog is a fun brand, right? It's a um, a guilty pleasure. You're not cooking for your family and you you've you've sat there and gone oh let's have some fun and let's get food delivered it's always it's, it's always centered around fun that that's going to happen so there is a bit of permission there i don't know that someone like o'brien i don't know that they could do the same thing they do very well at what they do but i don't think they could apply celebrity to it it would feel too random but i think this is proof where if, if you do follow the best practice principles which is Using melody, including the brand name and you know repetition, you can work your way into people's minds really quickly. You know, our index—the only reference point of the index—is what people think about these brands. So this is—you've worked yourself into being the top, the second most liked audio brand out of you know everyone in Australia. It's a representative sample. Yeah, I'd have to back you up. Um, on that, I think it's within grasp or within the grasp of any marketer who really, you know, could appreciate, I guess, the themes that we're talking about here, and that is the power of something that can be very, very simple, again, and very, very quick and fleeting, like the Intel chime is really only the announcement that an ad for uh, computers coming up, and, and yet try 
try not watching that ad if you're in the market for a computer. Like that's um, I think one of the, again. So it can be simple and it's within grasp, absolutely. And uh, again, follow the rules and you know success is almost but assured. Uh, the, one of the great examples of all time is 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 VB. I know we've discussed it a lot, where that you know you know. Um, hard-earned thirst needs a big cold beer and the best cold beer is Vic and you know we all grew up with that iconic John Millian voiceover and soundtrack and yet the brand actually dropped it when was it Paul probably in the 90s or the early noughties and um, and I think that and they paid a very 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 big price I think 4x came up and became the number one selling beer in the same period so you know it can be very expensive if you I guess lose sight of some of these you know well-worn rules and of course now the VB soundtrack's back, and I'm not sure you know how how big of a, a climb that they are, you know whether they've turned the brand around. But that's just one of the iconic um, examples that we're all familiar with. Yeah, yeah. good point. I think in the, in the same way there are a lot of visual logo and audio logo parallels in that VB for whatever reason decided to drop their Sonic brand assets, so the the song and the 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 jingle. It's akin to dropping your visual logo and saying, oh, I wonder if people are sick of our visual logo, maybe we drop it. You would never do that visually. Uh, and so you should oh. never do that from a Sonic point of view either. You can reduce it, you can play with the codes, you can remix it, but you would never drop it. And, and VB is a great example of that. Well, it's a good segue, actually. Um, when we talk about sort of uh, longevity, uh, Malcolm McLean, Trevor Hilton, you were both involved in the in the Bunnings jingle and audio Sonic logo from um, 130,000 years ago. Um, let's talk about how that came about. Are you accidental heroes or was this, you know, strategic genius? Um, how did it come back? And welcome, gents. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Yeah, so back in 1995, when Bunnings, which was mostly a West Australian company, uh, Western Australia, South Australia, Northern Territory, uh, wanted to move into the eastern states, they wanted to do the big warehouse concept. So it was just a hardware chain everywhere else. And um, we'd been advertising for five years and Trevor actually did the previous jingle. Um, but for the new campaign, we pitched a completely different concept, which was an animated lion character. So he was called Lionel. He popped up out of a line. And the main reason we wanted to do that was to use line illustrations for the products because I didn't want to go in any product shoots. Um, but knowing that it's animation, uh, audio is so important. It's like 75% of the emotion of animation is the sound that it moves along to. So we needed a track that would cut through on air, that would be bouncy, that would have a pace to it that we could edit the products to. And, um, and so, yeah, it was deliberately designed to be catchy. And so my brief uh, to Trevor Hilton, who was the jingle writer, was that we wanted something bluesy that kind of reflected where we'd come from with the normal Bunnings, um, but it had a, a really sort of casual beat that we could edit to. And so I sent over a hit tune that was around at the time, which was Shaggy's O Carolina on cassette tape, and we couriered it over. Right. On and, cassette, there you go. Yes. And, uh, three and MP3, uh, yeah, pre MP3 days. <laughs> and yes, a motorcycle right. courier to deliver it. Very analog, gents. Very analog, <laughs> and just that's the vibe. So that's that's kind of the feel that we want. And then um, Trevor going with your magic was pretty much the brief. So what happened when you saw the um, the brief from Malcolm, uh, Trevor? You, you, you're you're the jingle man, and jingles were at the time they were still they weren't as um as, as scarce as they are today. Jingles were around a bit, but what did you see when you saw the brief? And I think you might have the keyboard that you uh, you wrote the jingle on. Yeah, with you now. Yes, um, well, I mean, I remember that 
day quite well. I can't remember the process so much, but uh, I, I don't remember it being explained to me that it was going to be Lionel the Line Man, which uh, I did all the sound posts for all the ads, by the way. I was the voice of Lionel for quite some years. But it was just like a, do something like this track, this kind of vibe, because, you know, it's much easier to explain. I want it to sound like this rather than trying to describe music, because music is a very emotional, nebulous thing that we can't actually... Um, sort of explain why it moves us in certain ways. Can I ask you um, to play a little bit from Shaggy and then a little bit from uh, how you derived, uh, how you got to uh, the Bunnings jingle? Well, it's just a 12-bar progression and it's, it's, you can't go... Oh, Carolina, come on, closer to the bar. Oh, Carolina, they've been down, come on. Oh, Carolina. So I knew that song. So I like the key of B-flat. Love it. So... That, uh, that day, because it was a churn factory, I was doing jingles, 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 you know, churning them out for, you know, car dealerships in Darwin and uh, shopping centres in Catherine and shop local promotions in Renmark and fish markets in Devonport. But the local stuff is good. Um, so, uh, so I just built up a basic track, doing like that, you know, the 12-bar thing and uh, bass, drums, guitar, piano. And then I just, I think I just extemporized using the keyboard. I, I just probably rolled the tape back several times and then it gradually got um, something I thought was probably a, a, a good kind of thing. thing. But it was, it was all just improvised. So this is the actual... Um and blues scale and be flat because I saw the YouTube because <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I should know this everyone else is doing it better than me on YouTube but that's basically <laughs> yes. and that's the actual disc for people who, in the podcast who can't see the vision that's yeah, it's called Organs it's a factory disc that came with the Casio uh, but yeah so I did it one afternoon mixed it sent it uh, Malcolm said great and the track was never remixed and it was used that way for, for years and years and years with like, the one mix you know when you were composing the jingle, did you know or did you think it would be a long-lasting asset? No, no, it's just it's just a fluke. I mean, the previous one I did was... Um, anything you want, anything you need. Like a James Brown thing. That went for four years. And it yep. also brought through the door to the facility all the bread and butter retail recording, you know, week after week, which looked good in the eyes of my boss. And so I thought, this one, if this gets up... If that goes for four years, crikey, that's going to be really good. That's going to be gravy, you know. But, you know, slow burn in 2017, and uh, it's in England now, and my wife's saying, it's all over YouTube. There's people playing it on guitars and recorders and dogs barking to it. There's a 10-hour, there's a a YouTube video that's a 10-hour mix of uh, the Bunnings jingle that I think has over 1,600 plays. I had a question for Malcolm. How much influence do you think the, the jingle has had on Bunnings' ability to cut through over the years? There are more and more platforms now, and the, you know I think we're exposed to more advertising messages. Do you think the Bunnings jingle has had influence on its ability to be top of mind and stay there? I think absolutely, because um, you know as we've seen, um, you know so many brands sort of chop and change, and it's it can be like a two to three year sort of cycle um, because it kind of just 
new marketing managers come in and they want to change the world. So, you know, continuity is um, just so important. And, you know, the old marketing term, repeat, 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 and it'll be sweet, sweet, sweet. It absolutely works. And, uh, you know, that, that's what makes it so heartwarm, heartwarming. And we've now moved into um, the extra emotion of nostalgia. But from, uh, you know, an advertising point of view, audio is probably more important than it's ever been because there are just so many channels now. It's not like uh, in the golden ages of, you know, the late 80s and 90s where everyone watched 60 Minutes on a Sunday night and all the new campaigns launched and then you go into the Sunday night movie. You know, now there's just so many channels that are vying for attention. And so if you've got audio branding that's going to link the radio to the TV to what you've seen on TikTok and your Instagram Reels and you know, Alexis and, and all the devices, uh, it's, it's absolute gold. It's a great point. Matt's got a really interesting bit of analysis coming up, but I did want to ask both of you a couple of questions before that happens, which is, um, Malcolm, how did the jingle go down with the uh, Bunnings crew at the time? Did it, was there a hard sell or was it, okay, that's it, let's do it, let's move on? Or what happened there? Yeah, because we'd had kind of a, a very sort of James Brownsy um, sort of brassy track before, um, and we knew we wanted to do something clearly different. The sell of like the the wacky organ sound was a big leap. But you know, we said to them, if we've got one instrument that just makes us different, and uh, it worked with our quirky little animated character, it wasn't that much of a sell. Yeah, they could see it all working right. and and saw the value in oh, it pretty quickly. I love it. The wacky organ. I love it. Hey, um, the other thing to both uh, Trevor and Malcolm is what's happened to jingles? Because, you know, at the time, jingles, I think, you know, 80s, 90s, we still had plenty of jingles going. But then it, it sort of jingles got, I don't know, they, they went out of they went, went out of fashion for a bit. But now you're seeing a few coming back. Yeah. So what's happened is, I mean, where, where would both of you say, and Trevor, you're still writing them. So um, is business back up or what's happening to jingles? I think they're coming back. But what's happening is that it's becoming... Uh, more authentic songs and I know a lot of advertising agencies are scrambling to get actual bands you know to write things so it just feels more authentic yeah so I think there's a bit more sophistication uh, that has come to it um, rather than singing your phone number and singing your address and and your opening hours uh, like the bad old days now, time for the door friendly convenient happy smiling faces here <laughs> yeah <laughs> Once upon a time, you marketed probably like uh, to a client, here's your letterhead, here's your campaign, and here's the jingle. It was like mandatory. um... Malcolm, when Trevor handed you the disc or when it arrived by courier or however of the new Bunnings jingle that we know today, were you immediately a fan? Did you feel like it was going to work or did you ask for another pass or what was the story there? I absolutely loved it. And, um, you know, we were just in the uh, rudimentary sort of testing of the character and some of the moves. And as soon as we put the music with the animation, it just all gelled. And, uh, yeah, you get that little, there's a few times in your career where you do get little goosebumps where you go, this is going to work. And uh, that was certainly a moment. Yeah. That's neat. Um, I was going to talk about Shaggy because, Trevor mentioned, and you mentioned the inspiration for the track came from Shaggy's O Carolina, which I only found out a couple of days ago, and is equal parts hilarious and fascinating. I'm not sure if you're aware, part of this podcast is about announcing the results of our audio logo index, and the way that we do that is we partner with a company called Veritonic, and they'd go into deep analysis of the the audio and meaning we research with 4,000 different people. I decided to then go back into Veritonic and put 
uh, Shaggy's O'Carolina against the Bunnings Warehouse original version and the the latest one, and you'd be very pleased to know that uh, the Bunnings theme beats Shaggy's uh, O'Carolina uh, with much better recall. So um, this is <laughs> this is through AI. So this is a, an AI algorithm that predicts. Uh, people would be able to recall it much more easily. Um, higher engagement as well and much less negativity. So uh, pretty big feather in your cap in your career to say you've written a bigger song than Shaggy because at one stage, you know, he was he was the man. Well, there you go. Trevor Hilton and the wacky, wacky organ wins. <laughs> is it possible just for me to say something about me being the organ guy? I mean, it's, it's a bit of a signature instrument for me. I like it because you can you can be as sloppy as you like with it and it sounds like it's bluesy. You know, and uh, the other thing, I've just got to say very quickly, uh, someone told me anecdotally that when they're in primary school, the class played on recorders, on mass, and I think if I'd been walking <laughs> past that classroom, at that time, my head would have exploded. It's just crazy. Uh, yeah, I was one of them, Trevor. I, do, I was the mass recorder, dude, so I'm sorry for that, and I am scarred for life. <laughs> well, that's a great conversation. Matt Dixon, Fiona Bateman, Peter Pinter, Malcolm McLean, Trevor Hilton. Stay safe, and I'm looking forward to next year's index, and we'll see whether um, Fiona's number one. Can she take Bunnings? This is going to be the question. Thanks for joining, guys. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Paul. This MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's more. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.